0: To work, goodness, to you, I'll tell how the good old young is coming here to dwell. Tell me which side are you on? Which side are you on? Which side are
1: you on? Hi, everyone. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Nabila, and I'm really pleased to be part of this event, bringing together people from the forefront of this resistance to the Tories. And on this National Day of Action, we're pleased to say that thousands have registered their interest for this event and Arise Festival, and thousands more will be joining us on social media. This event is hosted by Arise, an online festival of left ideas, and is a vital discussion on the left and the Labour movement's next steps, as we see more and more people taking action. We are here today to send a clear message that we stand shoulder to shoulder with all the unions taking action to that end, including the NEU, PCS, UCU and ASLEF, who have all taken action today. On the left, it is vital at this time that we must be at the heart of organising and amplifying the voices of all the different strands of progressive anti-Tory resistance. The Tories have shown us time and time again, they are the party of the rich for the rich. They're restructuring the economy in the interest of the super rich, all whilst attacking our right to resist. But we mustn't let them get away with it. So as the event goes on, please do donate at the link provided so Arise can continue hosting these important events and support other campaigns and links put in the chat. Please also tell us in the Q&A section if you have been on strike or on a picket line today and where you're tuning in from. I am delighted now to move on to hearing from those voices who are at the front line of the resistance to the Tory attacks. So Our very first speaker is from the FBU, so please welcome Ricardo Latour.
2: Good evening everyone, um, look, look, thanks for having me tonight and let me be a part of like, what he's such an important event at such an important time in our class's history. And let me start by saying absolute solidarity from the 5 grades union to every single worker who stood up, took a stand today and was out on strike. And to every single worker who's been on strike and every single worker who's due to go on strike. Because we demonstrated something today. We demonstrated. The first thing that jumped out at me, and I'll apologise because there's people before me who have said this, much more eloquently. But the first thing that jumped out at me when I was seeing the images of the marches and the and the picket line, just the amount of workers organising today, was that there is not a lot of shit that happens without the kind permission of the working class. And today we demonstrated that. What a demonstration of the power that we can harness when we organise, when we organise in our workplaces and when we organise together. And you can't legislate against that power. And talking about strength or feeling, hopefully you've all seen um, the recent brigades Union strike ballot result that came out earlier this week on an 88% yes vote. We absolutely smashed those Tory thresholds, put in place to shackle workers, you know, an arbitrary threshold that isn't applied to any other area of democratic life in this country. Working people have to try and beat them to be able to have a lawful say against their conditions and against their And I'm pleased to say that after over a decade of real terms pay cuts and you know, over a decade of seeing 12,000 firefighters cut safety slash safety for the people working in the rescue service and the communities we serve, firefighters have joined. The fantastic efforts of other workers, of other sectors stood up, said enough is enough. We will not have this anymore. They have organised and they have took action. We know we're doing this at the same time. I know this draconian anti-work or minimum service levels bill is being pushed through Parliament. You know, one that's you know, is particularly potentially going to affect fire and rescue service in a, workers, in a unique way, but when you demonstrate the sort of power that we have today, when you look at the images of working people taking a stand shoulder to shoulder together today, you cannot legislate against that sort of solidarity. So whatever the plans that they are making on the other side, I hope they're also planning for when workers ignore this draconian bill en masse, because it is unfair and it is all authoritarian. It's been, a theme's jumped out at me like this, Obviously we're in the the midst of a cost of living crisis now and we are fighting back against that. But during that, what's becoming apparent is they've underestimated working people and they've underestimated us at their peril. They've treated us like idiots. They keep telling us there's no money. We've got no choice but to push our, our conditions and our pay down to the lowest possible level that they think might be tolerable to us. But they're doing it on the assumption that workers don't understand the reality around us, that we don't see the record number of billionaires, that we don't see the CEO wages going through the roof, the profits of corporations going through the roof, the attempts to cut the tax of the super-rich at every possible corner. They're treating us like idiots. They said if they can't raise our wages because raising our wages would, uh, would raise inflation, like, you know, complicated issues like inflation. Now, we possibly couldn't understand that as workers you know, and all, and all the factors that might affect that. But they have underestimated us at their peril. And that is why they are seeing the size and the strength and the scale of action, like what we've been seeing for the past year and what we've seen in particular today. Now, I'm going to, um, I, I'm going to steal a line off of Dave Ward now and because, because he's particularly relevant, I think, to what we've seen today. And he's going to call me out on this eventually because this might be the second time that I've stolen this. But he's very relevant and i stuck to it. Dave Ward once said, in a speech I heard a few months back that for far too long, working people have been laying awake at night, worrying what this government's going to do next. It's about time that this government lay awake at night and started worrying about what working people are going to do next. And that is what they've seen today. That is what they've seen over the past few months. And they are laying awake at night, worrying about what we're going to do next. That's why this bill exists, because they've lost the argument. We are seeing trade unionists everywhere from a branch member to the general secretaries, winning this argument in every single arena, working people articulately and eloquently, winning this argument, hands down. And that is why we are seeing public support grow for our struggle. Workers are talking and workers are listening. Workers are acting and workers are watching. And that's important because that builds a couple of things. That builds confidence and that builds consciousness and they are vital because it's important we offer solutions we can't just talk about the woes and our struggle without collectively arriving at solutions. And one of them, two of them, sorry, are happening organically within and that is our class confidence and our class consciousness. I've been in branches, I've been on fire stations all over the United Kingdom whilst we've been building for this ballot result. And not one have I been on where they haven't mentioned the struggle of the postal workers, the struggle of the railway workers, the struggle of the teachers, the refuse collectors, the local government Workers. We are hearing it everywhere. Workers are starting to recognize their struggle in the struggle of other workers. And we're starting to realize that the solution to that is also in other workers that we organize together. So we have to keep pushing that. So, look, this is about how we build the fight back, not just talking about what it is we're fighting against. So that's the point I want to leave on tonight. And I will wrap this up because I know I haven't got long, but I think it's vital that in all of these rallies, we don't just share our concerns about what the struggle is and then all go home to the next one. We have to discuss and provide solutions to keep building this confidence and building this consciousness. Yes, we've got some great comrades here tonight from the um, Parliamentary Labour Party. And if we say, look at this bill in particular, the Minimum Service Bill, amendments are important. Legal challenges are important. But there's only one of so much as working people in our class's history. When we see the sort of power that we've seen today. We start to realise where our power truly rests and we need to harness that. It is in our workplace. It is organising in our workplaces and it is organising across our workplaces and across our class. This battle is going to get harder. As I say, they're starting to worry about us now. Seems like today is uplifting as they are. The other side is seeing them too. We have to stand together. They're going to try and divide us. They're going to try and divide public sector against private sector, uh, older worker against younger worker. We have to resist that. We have to keep agitating, educating and organising in the way that we have to get us to this point and continue to make sure our members aren't just focused on their own struggle, that they're visiting every single picket line in their workplaces area when any other worker does even one moment of struggle. So if we keep building that confidence, we keep building that class consciousness, that will snowball and that will put us in a position we absolutely need to be this, to continue this struggle even when we're having to face the worst effects of these draconian bills like this and service bill that we are facing at the moment. So I'm going to leave it there, Comrades. Again, look, I'm going to end on absolutely solidarity and thank you to every worker who took action today because every second of action a worker takes, they're taking it for every worker. And that's the mentality we have to take forward into this. So thank you, solidarity. Hopefully you all saw the Fire Brigade Union on your picket lines today. We hope we see you on our picket lines in the very, very near future. And that is how we're going to win this, by resisting and organising as a class. And thank you for organising such an important event. Solidarity.
1: Thank you so much, Ricardo. And the Fire Brigade Union certainly were out on the picket line in Sheffield in incredible numbers. It was great to see you. Um, Our next speaker is from GMB Southern Region and People's Assembly, Helen O'Connor.
3: Thank you very much, Nabina, and thank you for inviting me to speak. Um, As Nabina said, um, I'm a GMB union organizer in the NHS. I worked as a nurse also in the NHS for 28 years. And during that period, I saw a lot of changes. The NHS was one of the greatest gains the working class ever made in the post-war period. Harry Leslie Smith, who was an RAF veteran, remembered what life was like before the NHS was founded. He wrote about the hunger, filth, fear and death that was a feature of life for working class people. Before the health service was founded, no working class person could afford the week and a half wages to see a doctor. Many died in pain of preventable curable disease. In 1948, Health Minister Nye Bevan founded the NHS in the face of huge post-World War II debt. The NHS transformed the lives of working class people. Mass vaccination, reduced disease, treatment for an illness or an accident was no longer reliant on luck or the ability to pay. The two great pillars of the welfare state were the NHS and the social security system, and their purpose was to ensure that no one had to live in conditions of want or deprivation ever again. But for the ruling class who opposed these progressive socialist measures were forced to concede them because of the pressure from the Labour and the Trade Union government and the election of a Labour government after the Second World War. What the NHS has meant for working class people is best summed up by contrast with the United States, one of the richest countries in the world. In the USA, there is no NHS. Over there, you need to be able to afford insurance to get health care. Employers control access to health insurance. Roughly 44 million people cannot get access to health care at all. 65% of all bankruptcies in in the USA are linked to medical issues. Since its formation, the ruling class have sought to undermine the NHS in one way or another, and that process has greatly accelerated in recent decades, certainly since the 90s since I first came over to work in the NHS. Alongside aggressive policies that are damaging the overall health and well-being of the population, plans to break up and sell off the NHS have been afoot for decades. All NHS changes are made in the name of modernization and progress, but they and they promise better care, better hospitals, better facilities, better training, a workforce fit, to the, fit for the future. But what you end up actually with is the reverse of all that, because in spite of what the spin says, a cut can never deliver more and better, and privatization channels money that should be spent on patients to company directors and shareholders. One of the key features of so-called reform of the NHS has been the rise of a caterer of managers from private companies with no responsibility for or knowledge of medical issues. They are there principally to drive the market and control the workforce. Elective surgery is now being outsourced by stealth to the private hospitals to the tune of billions. The seven billion strong, million strong waiting list has been used as an excuse to outsource surgery while they strip back what's available in the NHS. Anyone who thinks the direction of travel in the NHS is going to get any better or mistaken. The Health and Social Care Act of 2022 has paved the way for private companies to get control over the purchasing decisions of healthcare. Anyone who says that even more privatisation is the answer to the NHS emergency is no friend of the NHS. What, we've, what, we've, what have we been left with after decades of outsourcing? Fewer hospitals, fewer staff, fewer doctors. Fewer interventions available in the NHS and hospital wards have become dirty, understaffed and dangerous. Patients are suffering neglect, significant harm and younger patients are dying. And we now have up to 500 excess deaths every single week. The plans proposed to make GP salaried employees will ensure that the private sector completely controls this key access point to the NHS telemedicine zoom medicine mac medicine is the music of the future for the nhs if we don't fight back nhs staff deliver for patients in spite of government policy and not because of it there is no longer job security in the nhs many staff have been outsourced they've lost sick pay overtime pay and social hours pay 130000 clinical staff have been forced out of the nhs because some grades of them are earning less per hour than hgv refuse drivers workloads have become crushing and one serious consequence of the appalling treatment of the workforce that is not commonly understood is it is directly linked to slipping standards across the NHS. This is why thousands of NHS workers have leveraged their trade unions to lead them into strike action. They want this government to take steps to stop their colleagues leaving the service. They want free, safe healthcare to be protected and enhanced for absolutely everyone in this country and giving them the pay they need and they deserve would be a signal to this country that this government is serious about protecting the NHS, but we don't just focus on protecting the NHS for its own sake. The NHS is not a national religion. It is a vital necessity. We recognise that the NHS exists to serve an important function for working class people. There can be little doubt in our minds that a real and determined effort is being made by the ruling class to roll back every gain made by the working class, including the right to free health care. Crippling inflation, cuts in terms and conditions, attacks on the NHS and the welfare state, attacks on our right to defend ourselves would create the conditions for human health to deteriorate even further. There is no truce, no waving of the white flag by the other side. So, as socialists and trade unionists, we start by rejecting the great lie that there is no money for pay rises. There was plenty of money for private companies to make profits during the pandemic. Less support every single strike in this country, less demand an end to privatisation and the return of all outsourced work back into public ownership. Effective resistance can only be a tree achieved through unity and mass action of the type we've seen today across the country. Society simply cannot function without the working class, nurses, ambulance workers, rail workers, teachers. We don't have to sit back and take kicking from the bosses and the tories. When we unite and fight back, we are unstoppable. We can succeed let's make sure our commitment is equal to the task, solidarity.
1: Thank you so much, Helen, for joining us today and for all the work you've been doing organising in the NHS. Um, Our next speaker is Mark Sawatka, who is the PCS General Secretary. I think just received a message, unfortunately, that Mark is running a little bit late. Um, So we'll move on to Sam Browse from Arise.
0: Hi there, everyone. Yeah, like uh, Nabila said, my name's Sam. I'm a volunteer uh, with the Arise team. Just a few shout outs for you today. Um, It's great to see so many people on the call Um, It's vital, like Nabilia said, that we have these kind of we have these kind of meetings. We're bringing everyone who's at the forefront of resistance, the kind of onslaught we're seeing from the Tories together in order to fight back. So it's fantastic to see so many people on the call. But it's also in that struggle vital, we create kind of infrastructure uh, for the left to come together and do these things. And these events, they cost money, they require resourcing. And so um, I just want to introduce a new initiative that we've just started. And I look down the participant list of these things all the time, of these events all the time, and I see lots of familiar face, or lots of familiar names. And at the events we do, I see lots of familiar faces. And for people who like to come to our events and want to offer a sort of regular bout of support, we've um, just started an initiative called Friends of Arise, which would be fantastic if you could sign up to. It's a new initiative, like I say, it's at least five pounds a month, and for that five pounds, you get an exclusive merch pack can't go wrong with a bit of merch you get entered into entered into a a annual prize draw and um, you'll also know that you're contributing kind of materially to creating the infrastructure that we need in order to build resistance to the Tories. so that's the first thing so please become a friend of a rise festival the second thing is if you can't afford a regular donation of five pounds or more per month please consider a one-off donation today um there will be a link posted in the chat for you to do that of whatever you can afford like i say these events that even even an event like this cost money to host such a big zoom meeting for example so yeah that's two things for me and like i say please become a friend of arise and uh, look forward to seeing you not only at more meetings like this but on the picket lines at the demos because dev- together we can win see you later comrades
1: Thank you so much, Sam. I'll definitely be signing up because I'm a big fan of Arise Merch. So our next speaker is the co-founder of Strike Map, who has been doing incredible work during this time of unexpected strikes. Um, So please welcome Robert Poole.
4: Hi, good evening, comrades. Thanks for having me on today. I've just returned from, like many others, uh, from rallies and picket lines across the country. So we saw today amazing scenes, tens of thousands gathered at these rallies and pickets, standing in solidarity with working men and women who've been denied their basic rights as trade union members for far too long. You know, I stood outside my school this morning before the sunrise to uh, you know, talk to people and find out what was going on and to uh, try to persuade people of uh, why we need to stand up for ourselves. And we went to Manchester and we joined other comrades at St Peter's Square. You know, this is our fight for our lives and this is a fight for fair wages, for safe working conditions, for a voice on the job. And it's a struggle that's been going on for generations. In fact, the, the, where the rally was held today was at the site of you know, another struggle. It was held at the site of Peterloo, where a previous Tory government decided to massacre the working class who were standing up for their rights on that day. And we must continue their fight today. Every worker across the country needs to stand up to fight until every worker across the country has got dignity and respect that they deserve. The trade unions have been the backbone of the British working class for over a century and fought tirelessly to improve the lives of millions of workers from the coal miners and steel workers of the past to the nurses, the posties, the train drivers, the teachers of today. Without their tireless efforts of trade unions like many of you on this call we've not had the eight hour working day, paid holiday, minimum wage, but despite these successes, the rights of trade union members are under attack once again, as you know, we've heard tonight. Conservative government repeatedly passing legislation to restrict the ability of unions to strike and to organise. And it should be seen as what it is. It's an attempt to silence the voices of the working class. They're seeking to weaken the power of our trade unions in order to give corporations and their rich mates even more control of our economy, over our society. But we'll not be silenced. We'll not be intimidated. We'll stand up for the rights of all workers, regardless of their race, their gender, their religion. We'll stand up and fight for our rights as trade union members and as workers. And we'll fight for fair wages and safe working conditions, for the right to strike and the right to organise and for a voice on the job. The struggle for trade unions is not just a fight for the working class, though. It's a fight for justice and equality for all. And that's why we must come together, everyone on this call, everyone from all different organisations across the country, trade union members and our allies, to demand this government respects our rights as workers. We've joined together, form you know, an alliance, and with that we'll become even stronger. We need to demand that the government address the inequality, the discrimination other issues that are making it impossible for workers to stand up for themselves. Workers are getting in exhausted from work. Workers are getting in, they're fearful for their jobs. So we need to address these underlying issues as well. One of the most effective ways that we can do this is by showing our solidarity to each other and standing together as a united working class. We can use things like strike map to visit picket lines. We can connect with each other. We can join strike clubs. We can fundraise. We can meet up together. We can discuss. We can educate, agitate, organise together. We've got all of these amazing technology at our fingertips now and we need to use them. Comrades, we're at a critical juncture in the history of the trade union movement and our rights in Britain. The attacks on our rights are growing more intense every day, but we'll not be defeated. We'll stand together united and fight for those rights of working people. Together we'll ensure that our voices are heard and that our rights as trade union members and workers are protected. But we're not going to do this in the courts, we're going to do this on the streets. Because whatever we win in the courts, we need to hold at the factory gate. So let us rise up. Let us join hands. Let's fight for justice. Let's fight for fairness and equality for all working people. Solidarity, comrades.
1: Thanks so much, Rob. Um, And thanks for all the work you do. Our next speaker is Matt Wilgrass from Labour Outlook.
5: Thank you, Nibir, Anna. We seem to be sort of slapping each other on the back a bit and thanking each other for the work we do, which is always important and the reason you come together. So I'd like to take a second just to thank Nabeer for the great work she's doing as the Chair of Young Labour, not always in easy circumstances. And how great it is to see you and your other comrades, such as Mo, Fraser, Daisy and the rest of the team, at all these online and in-person events. And to say thank you to Young Labour for the support you've given to the strikes today. And on other days, um, I'd also like to quickly emphasise some of what Sam said about the importance of Arise Festival in terms of these events. Politically, you have an event like this with over a thousand people joining it across the platforms, um, bringing together lots of different currents of people who have different political backgrounds, different backgrounds in the unions and elsewhere, but all together on our values of unity and solidarity. So please do become a friend of Arise and click that button after this call and help the work that Arise is doing linking up the resistance movements and the anti-Tory politicians and the left in its entirety. It's so important that we all work together. Um, Now on to my speech, so to speak. Um, I'm going to start with a quote, and I'll tell you who it's from afterwards. I hate the indifferent. I believe that living means taking sides. Those who really live cannot help being a citizen and a partisan. Indifference and apathy are parasitism, not life. Indifference is the dead weight of history. These words from Gramsci in a very different context, I think, sum up the situation we face here today. Now is the time to take sides. You can either take the side of the 1%, their Tory government, and the whole rotten capitalist system, or you can take the side of all those people fighting back, including those on strike we're hearing from today. And indeed, you can take the side of all those others that have said enough is enough to Tory reaction including Black Lives Matter and Refugees Welcome Activists, those groups defending our right to protest, and those direct action movements calling out the deepening climate catastrophe. And facing the situation we do, as Ricardo said, I think more and more people agree and realize it's time to take sides. side. This is as right-wing and a right government as ever. They're locking in austerity for years and leading attack after attack on democratic rights. But as all the diverse voices at this event shows, and today's brilliant protests across the country show, they aren't getting away with it anymore. In this context, we on the left can and must play a vital role. Yes, by fully backing those movements from us up, and also by welcoming moves to coordinate actions between different social movements, trade unions and others. When Extinction Rebellion and Don't Pay both gave support to adding their own supplementary actions to a recent day of action called Around the cost of Living Crisis, it both helped amplify the core messages and bring together different activists that previously would never have been in the same spaces together, but have a common an enemy not only in this government but in the whole rotten profiteer-driven system. The right to strike.org event and website, the strike map who we were just heard from, have been involved in in the last week, has also shown it's possible for people from across different campaigns and traditions to work productively together where we agree and amplify each other's voices and struggle. And those of us who are in labour on the left, let's work together consciously, consistently, and let's work together better to do what we can to back those growing struggles. There is no reason, for example, why groups across the left couldn't promote model motions on the same peace struggle each month across the country. It would win support for those people, and it would show that we're not going anywhere, that we're fighting, and it would help galvanise people too. So let's come together. Let's make 2023 the year of mass resistance to the toys where we put our values of solidarity, struggle and socialism into practice. Thank you.
6: Thank
1: you so much, Matt. Our next speaker is from the wonderful Acorn Haringey, Andrew Rojas.
7: Thank you, and um, Hello, comrades. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Andrew Rojas. I'm the comms officer for my branch in Haringey. Little bit about me. I'm a born and bred Londoner, raised in South London, but I've been north of the river in Haringey for four years now. I grew up on an estate in Peckham where no one was talking about politics. We didn't discuss current events. We didn't have debate teams. I never attended picket lines or meetings like this one. And at no time did any political party knock on our door. My family came over from Colombia in the 80s and worked in the service industry as cleaners, cooks, and au pairs. No one was in a union or even knew what a union was until I found Acorn. Acorn is a community union for low-income people that focuses on organising people to take direct action around issues ranging from housing to transport and public services. To touch on the topic on how we build the fight back, the way we build the fight back can just can't just be by reorganising the left and making another left group. It's by reaching people who haven't been involved in politics and engaging them in politics that they can understand, in addition to organising them to win stuff together. The fact that I'm here and talking at this event shows that we're start, starting to build the fight back, as I've found a movement that speaks to me and people like me. A movement that people can engage with, and that's the kind of thing that we need to be doing if we're going to be building the fight back. We need to get everyone involved and all the people that need to be fighting are the people that politics aren't necessarily reaching at the moment. So we need to find ways that we can do that. One of the barriers to getting involved was that I came in and found that the left was completely splintered. I didn't even know where to start because I came in and found 30 different parties with socialists in the name and I didn't know what any of them stood for. If we want to reach everyone... We need to get a little better at working together and organizing around what we have in common and not what divides us. We like to have lots of public meetings discussing the finer points of socialism, but it's really rare that we see people knocking doors and speaking to normal people who carry this country. And those are the people that we need on board. For this reason, I found it really difficult to engage with politics. And to some degree, politics has never really tried to engage with me. I had to make an active effort to go out there and seek out politics, force my way in and fight for my seat at the table when it should be the opposite. Politics should be coming to you, the average Joe. The number one reason why people don't join a union is because they've never been asked, which is exactly what ACORN does. ACORN is a community based union of working class people organising for fairer deals for our communities left behind by companies, councils and parliaments we go out into communities across the country knocking on doors every single day we're there we're visible we're facing the neighborhood instead of waiting for people to come to us doing real outreach signing up hundreds of new members a month from face-to-face conversations People understand their own problems better than we do, and they're usually the best place to lead campaigns on them. However, it's important to stress we're a union. This isn't a charity. We don't fight on behalf of others. We organise ourselves to fight for change together. We do that through two methods, collective strength in numbers and training up new leaders, which ensures we can grow sustainably as well as empowering our members. And that's why I think Acorn is so important. It's not just about signing up as many people as possible. You've got to get them to take responsibility for the situation and take leadership roles so that they continue to organise sustainably. I've found it so empowering to play my part in getting this very vital message to as many diverse sectors of our community as possible through our model of organising. This will help not only add key voices and efforts to our fight back but also improve the left from the ground up as we diversify our base and draw on more knowledge while increasing our strength in numbers. To give an example of what we do, recently we won a huge case in Bristol worth £100 in fire safety measures for the residents of the tower blocks there. Following a series of fires, including one where a resident tragically lost their life, residents came together and launched an ACORN campaign to highlight their concerns of inadequate fire safety in tower blocks and demand action from the council. We already had a base in the towers, so when the fire happened, they turned to ACORN straight away We then knocked thousands of doors over the coming months and recruited over 100 dues-paying union members across 60 tower blocks in Bristol. Getting organised with ACORN, the residents launched the Bristol Towers United campaign and set about flyering and having organised conversations with their neighbours. They collectively agreed on a set of demands to ensure better fire safety, including sprinklers, fire safety wardens until these were fitted and regular fire safety checks. Then they moved the campaign to direct action, marching to council offices to deliver demands, holding public meetings and empty chairing the mayor in front of the press, keeping the pressure on until they won negotiations against the targets of the campaign. We're pleased to say that the demands have been met. £100 million is now being spent to make these towers safe for the people who live in them. By keeping the pressure on the council by the very people themselves, and by taking direct action. We've managed to get this huge win for the residents of Bristol and hopefully it will have a ripple effect with other councils around the country and push them to do better for all the people living under these terrifying conditions. If we can organise pensioners, students, single mums to march into council offices and demand better for the community, then we can start to build a fight back, not just for the sake of fighting, but for the sake of winning. It's not some polit- I'm not some political mastermind. I don't have any new groundbreaking theories to share with you. But the fact that I'm here at a festival of the left Listen, I mean, if you had told me I was going to be here a I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> but I'm engaged and hungry to find other ways to engage more people like me and others from my background. And that in itself shows that we are starting to win the fight back. You know, as they say, if you fight, you might not always win but if you don't fight, you'll always lose. Thank you so much for having me. You can find us or contact us across all social media platforms at acorn underscore UK. We have acorn branches all over the country and it would be really great to get more people involved. Our wins come from the strength in numbers, so we need you all on board. You wouldn't go to work without a union at your back, so don't let landlords and shoddy service providers rip you off outside of work. Your community needs you. Thank
1: you very much. Thanks so much, Angie. And speaking of numbers and the power of numbers, I am incredibly excited to say that we have a thousand people joining us across all platforms on this call from all across the country. So from Oxford to Cluid to Cluid. And we even have international attendees from Spain, Slovakia and Indonesia. Now, we want to make sure we're reaching even more members and your support is invaluable in being able to do this. So if you're able to support us, please do donate through the link in the chat. Our next speaker is Logan Williams, who is a regular Arise Volunteer, but more importantly today is a striking teacher.
8: Uh, thank you, Nabilia, and um, hello all and thank you for inviting me to be part of such a fantastic platform with some really inspiring people across it from the MPs and the General Secretaries and also our lay activists as well. And I think it's fair to say, comrades, that today we've been part of history. We've been part of the fundamental history of the British Labour movement. We've seen the largest coordinated day of action across our movement for decades and have seen union after union be the restrictive thresholds put in place by the Tory 2016 Trade Union Act as Ricardo mentioned earlier. My union, the National Education Union, saw 90% of our teaching members across England and, some, and, and slightly higher in Wales on a, turnout voting for strike actions, which is the largest vote since the legislation was passed. Our vote fundamentally is about a pay offer which failed to amend the decades long underfunding of the education sector, which has seen teacher pay underfunded by 20% since 2010. This pay offer, in the words of Ofsted, can only be seen to be judged as requires improvement. And we can't go on and discuss this without discussing the mam- how we deliver that mammoth victory. It's been at- due to the efforts of our workplace reps, our local branch officers and our activists who have worked fantastically hard, not just for the last 14 weeks and then 14 months, sorry, and building this since our conference vote last year, but as a product of a turn to our classroom and trying to build our union from the classroom up for the last 10 years. We've done this through phone banking, through mass meetings, and most importantly, through workplace conversations across 24,000 individual workplaces. they a hard fight, but we've done it. And these efforts have galvanized and grown our membership by 38,000 at the last the last official count for our day of action. And let's face it, as we, I'm sure we've all seen and hopefully taken part in, we've seen these thousands take to the streets, London, by the looks of it, was shut down, and, my, and we've seen rallies and pickets from Cornwall to Newcastle and all the way across from the southwest over to Norfolk and to Kent. In my own local area, we've had the largest demonstration. A lot of long-standing activists can remember, especially in our teaching union, especially since the 80s. And each of these members have decided to stand up and say, enough is enough. They're saying enough is enough to the critical underfunding of our education system to the point of 90% of British schools will face a real terms cut to their budget next year. We're saying enough is enough to a below inflation pay rise, which will see schools have to stretch their already breaking point budgets by 5% to try and incorporate it. We're saying enough is enough to the underfunding of education to the point that a third of all teachers who have qualified in the last decade have quit the jobs elsewhere. One in five quitting after one year. We're saying enough is enough to a system where one in eight maths lessons are delivered by a non-trained specialist. It's vital that members across the NAU receive strong solidarity from both political and industrial wings of the labour movement. I think it's fair to say We've seen that already today, but we must keep that up. because we must ensure that Westminster commits and actually delivers the fully funded inflation plus pay increase we desperately need to begin to save our schools. As let's face it, comrades, we know there is money out there to ensure our education system is fully funded. Helen's already spoken about those dodgy contracts during COVID to Tory donors. So I ask you to make sure you support our picket lines over our next three days of action and go out into your communities and thank. And if you are a parent, offer your support to your teachers if they've taken that day of action. As we, and let's ensure we're standing shoulder to shoulder to demand a new deal for working people. Thank you, all. solidarity.
1: Thank you so much, Megan. Thank you for joining us. If you're on the chat in the Q&A section, please keep telling us what picket or protest you went to today. It's great to have people on the teachers' lines across London. Um, We've had people from Liverpool who are on the PCS line, Oxford out with UCU. We've had ASLEF and GMB members, North Wales NEU, Cambridge Prospect members and so many more. Um, And it's just incredible to see the shows of solidarity that have taken place all across the country. Our next speaker is from the RMT Young Members Unit. So please help me welcome James Braithwaite.
9: Hello, everybody. Uh, as Abia said, I'm with the RMT. I'm on the uh, Young Members Advisory Committee. Uh, I work as a railway engineer for a train company, I won't say, because, you know, I always get a bit, bit funny about all that crap. But what I really want to talk to you about mainly, you know, you've heard all about the dispute you've heard from Mick, you know everyone knows what's going on with the dispute. But I want to talk about minimum service. Minimum service is the main issue that is really now bearing down hard upon the union. You know it keeps a lot of us up at night. A lot of us thinking what's going to happen. So what is minimum service? Minimum service is essentially us workers being forced on strike days, to come into work and do a do a shift. Essentially, maintain a minimum service so they're running something there. You know, and you know we see this. Across the world, some places, you know, France famously has minimum service, but Britain's minimum service is much crueler, it's much harsher than what, what the French system is. The French, what they have is if you actually do, do, don't come in when you're meant to come in on a day where you're striking, what happens is you'd get a small fine and a mind discipline in action. That isn't what's going to happen here. What the Tories want to do, they want to firstly sack you from your job. You are so you're just gone. And then they're gonna seize and seize your union's assets, take away them, essentially bankrupt your union for every worker who doesn't come in. You know, this is a major issue. This is a major problem. You know, nothing is more important than this, you know. We can't go be in a situation where our unions are being shut down because workers refuse to cross picket lines, and that's what we're looking at here. And you know, how do we fight that? We've got TUC at the moment. They're saying they're going to fight in the courts and that's great. You know, we need that, but we can't rely on the bourgeois courts. You know, the courts aren't, they're not the answer. We didn't win our rights from the courts. We run our rights because we organize, because we strike. That's what it's all about. And that's what they're trying to stop. So what we need to do, we need to get organized. We need to make sure that we're doing like we're doing today, that workers are joining together, are joining hand in hand and, and striking together you know it's one of those ones where when we look at it long term when we look at the fight for our rights and the fight for the rights for for basic living standards for the nhs for the welfare state for the eight hour day all that stuff that came back because unions fought. they fought hard for it they striked, and they were willing to strike workers were willing to lose days and days of wages and you know, we need to have that spirit. We need to channel it in our in this strike, in this fight, and make sure that we are defeating the Tories, that we are going out there, we are putting pressure on them, we're making them feel like they have to listen to us, they have to do what we're telling them, you know. Because like we're really seeing that, you know, this is this is a zombie government, you know, nobody voted for this, nobody wanted this, you know, this is. No one's government. It serves no one. It's for the rich. That's who it's for. It's not for us. You know, and they are, this is what it's about. They're just grasping at straws. They're grasping for anything. They're trying to blame the workers for the country being utter dog's bollocks. They are. And, you know, if we fight them, we can win. And that is what we've got to keep in mind. You know, we aren't just, like, going to be meek and take it lying down. We cannot win this fight. We've got to keep that in our minds when we're going out into our communities, when we're going down to the shop floors and we're talking to our co-workers, when we're talking to family members, to people we see in the street. We're talking about our struggle. We're talking about why we're fighting. We're telling them we can win. We can get this through. We all stand up together. You know, I'm a Labour Party member. You know, I've seen Keir Starmer. He doesn't come out and say anything. Where is Labour? Where is the Labour leadership? nowhere but we can't worry about that that isn't a problem for us we you know Labour like to think we got all our rights because of them we didn't get all our rights because of them we got all our rights because workers were there fighting for it because workers were there holding their feet to the fire of the Labour Party my union is not affiliated to Labour Party you know that might be a good thing that might be a bad thing but you know we still have to be that that gives us the power hold their feet to the fire more. That means we could got that independence That we're willing to attack their political lines, we're willing to say, you know what, this is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. You're not serving us. You're not serving working people. You know, I am an API member. I do think Keir Starmer, well, one day, one day, he's going to be prime minister, you know? And what we're going to have to do, we're going to have to keep sure the fight's up with him as well, you know? Labour now—they're not even promising to get rid of any of these laws properly. You know, no, they're not really like it's all wishy-washy. You know, what's going to actually happen? They're not saying what they're going to get rid of the anti-trade union laws. But we need to be there fighting. We need to be there out there striking, organizing pickets, organizing protests, making sure they know that what the working people's movement is demanding is for those laws all to be completely scrapped. We want a completely new deal with it all. And comrades, I just want to end on the guest point about what we can all do. I say to you all: go down to your union branches, make motions, demand your unions cooperate like they have done today. Make sure we're all out there being militants. Make sure we're fighting together, and we're all there together. Solidarity, comrades!
1: Thank you very much, James. Our next speaker is a long-standing friend of Arise Festival, John Macdonald MP.
10: Thanks, Abila. Thanks for, thanks for bringing me in and, and inviting me to speak. I'm really grateful. It's been really interesting listening to all the different um, speeches so far from across the different campaigns that have taken place. Um, just to say, it's been extraordinary today. I'm just so proud of people. I, I started on the picket lines earlier this morning at Heathrow Airport, in my constituency, where PCS were uh, mounting picket lines with Border Force officials coming out on strike I then went on to a local school Um I missed out on one picket line in my constituency because I had to get up to the PCS picket line at the treasury in that base but there was Unite buses were out in West London as well I was on the picket line last time right the way across my constituency like in every other constituency as well there were picket lines being formed by workers who were just basically saying we've had enough we're not going to take it anymore. We can't live on these wages. Uh, we've had 13 years of austerity. That's the economic backdrop to all of this. But what was interesting in, in virtually every discussion I had on the picket line, whether it was the PCS members or whether it was whether it was unison in one of the schools or whether it was NEU, the education unions, all of them were saying it's, it's about wages. Of course it is because of the cost of living crisis, 13 years of austerity, our wages effectively cut over that period of time because of the way in which our wages were frozen then inflation have eroded them but in every discussion and included the discussion with some of the firefighters I met on the picket lines as well people were saying this is about protecting the service we provide as well teachers saying to me that look wages are so low that we can't retain staff we're losing people because they cannot live on these wages in addition to that People saying we can't deliver the services that we need because of this lack of staffing and the pressures that we're all under. And I say also, <clears throat> I think we have to acknowledge that for a lot of the workers that we're campaigning with and for at the moment, the stress that they're under is causing a mental health crisis that maybe we've not seen in our movement before because they're under so much pressure. And that comes from wages, also comes from privatisation and outsourcing as well. So. I was just so proud. And as someone said, the reports that are coming up on the chat are making it absolutely clear. The demonstrations across the country were huge. We most probably haven't seen this scale of trade union organizations since the 1980s under under Thatcher. And people are, there's no other word for it, really. They're fighting back, which is, I think, just gives immense pride, but also the, um, the determination and it's inspirational. You've heard it from the speakers tonight, all of them, Ricardo and Helen, Matt and Sam, obviously, and I want to thank Arise for all that they do in the organisation. Rob from Strike Map. Rob, the people who thought about Strike Map, to be honest, was brilliant. And it's given us such a flow of information, people using it to get out there as well. Angie from Acorn, I just thought I found it really moving about how you can engage in politics in a way that actually is bringing more and more people in. And obviously, Logan and jim just coming it straight from the trade union point of view of what's needed can i mention one other campaign that's coming up i met with equity yesterday the actors union um they're now negotiating with regard to with the producers of the west end theaters and their members have been hit quite hard on particularly low wages so they're now negotiating and it looks as though if they don't get what they want which is a 17% 17% rise, I'll show you the board that they're, they're doing. That's the struggle they're going for. It's a 17% um, rise that they're standing up for. Literally, the theatres will come out on strike in the West End. And again, what they're trying to do is just say, look, we can't live on these wages. What we need to do now is basic wages themselves. I think the Tories are in, I think the Tories are in absolute panic about what's going on. They've never met this scale of resistance over the last, at least the last decade and beyond. And I think what they're realising now that actually the working class movement is actually back on the streets again. And this is class struggle. You can't define it any other way. And that's why they've reached for this new legislation, the minimum service um, strikes bill. Um, Jim, I think, eloquently described it. This is the biggest threat that we've seen. In our, in our history, to be frank. It almost takes us back to the 19th century combination acts, which were introduced then to try and prevent the trade unions be established themselves. We need all of us to go back and explain the implications of this act. And I'm sorry if I'm being a bit pedantic, but I just want to go through it very, very clearly. What the act does is it allows the government to designate certain areas of our economy in which they will demand a minimum service be provided. The areas are health, fire and rescue, education, transport, border security, and uh, and nuclear waste installations. What then happens is that the government will determine what level of service has got to be provided. It could be be any level of service that they, they decide. But the worst features of this is it then gives the power to employers to decide which workers they'll demand coming to work. You can see what's going to happen. We, I've been campaigning around the blacklisting issue for about 25 in lo- years and longer. You can see what's going to happen. Employers are going to use this legislation to target trade union activists in particular. It'll be them that they'll select to come into work to break the strike. And you know what will happen. People will say, I'm not going to do it. They'll stand up and say, I'm not going to do it in principle. What this legislation then does, as Jim has mentioned, it removes all the protections against unfair dismissal, so employers will be able to select someone who's got to come to be forced into work. If they don't come into work, the employer can then sack them, and there'll be no protect- legal protection whatsoever. Beyond that, the unions are then are meant to police this legislation. The, le- the legislation basically says the union must take reasonable steps to ensure actually the minimum services provided. So in other words, the employer tells these workers they've got to go into work. The union's got to cooperate to force them into work. So policing the legislation in that way. And if they don't, they get fined. They'll have their funds, well, effectively financially, they'll start being broken. This is unbelievably draconian legislation that we've not seen before. The only other time that this has been happened was in the Second World War, they introduced an anti-strike legislation. And what happened, actually, there were more strikes after the introduction of the legislation than there were before, and it didn't work, and no government ever tried it again. But they are trying it on this time. So we've got to explain to people the seriousness of this. This is a, an attack on a fundamental human right to withdraw ones labour. And when they say, well, this operates across Europe, no, it doesn't. What happens across Europe is what's happening in this country. When we have a strike, you know as well as I do, and I've been involved in this as a shop steward. When you need emergency cover, we negotiate it. I've never, I've never been on a firefighter picket line until unless there's a, every time the firefighters always negotiate that there will be emergency cover. The same with unison ambulance drivers, the same with health workers, the same with others as well. I've never been on a firefighter picket line where firefighters haven't left it when there's been an emergency they need to cope with. And we do it by negotiation. That's what happens across Europe. The legislation that's in place across Europe is always based upon collective bargaining, not imposition by government. So what do we do? My view is this, and I warned the government in Parliament the other day, they don't realize what they're provoking because when the first trade union is sacked or the first union is fined, I think it will provoke a reaction across our movement where we all come together and oppose this legislation and defy it if necessary. But we need to start building it now in the same way we're building for the next wave of strike action. So I just urge people to do this, really. Anyone listening who's not in a union, join a union. And even if they're not organised in your workforce, you can still join a union, and that will help you build the organisation. Secondly, just volunteer for any branch activity you can. Bring the branch together. The other thing that we need to do, and it's the lesson that's been learned over the last few months in particular, is we need to go back to our communities, speak to our own union, and then start bringing unions together in local strike committees as well. Where there's a Trades Council, use the Trades Council. Where there isn't, establish a strike committee that can then go on to form a Trades Council. And that enables us then to get out there, like Angie said, knocking on doors, doing street stalls, communicating with people, winning the argument, and then mobilising for their next action. And, yeah, in particular, using social media to communicate. We've got to maximise the pressure on this government, both to secure the victories we have, service by service, for decent pay and the protection and funding of our public services. But also what we've got to do is now build up to defeat this legislation, make it unworkable. Yeah, we'll fight it out in Parliament, but the reality is this legislation will be defeated on the picket lines and on the streets, when the first worker is sacked and the first trade union is fine, that's the way we do it. Final point from me, don't ever let them tell you they can't, we can't afford decent pay and pub, funding our public services. I know there's a big debate around MMT or taxation or whatever, but I just today when someone asked me, you know, the figures on if we wanted to give everyone our public services an inflation-proof pay rise, the government says it'll cost us $28 billion. No, it won't. The realistic figure that others have calculated is about $10 billion. If we just made sure capital gains and dividends were taxed the same as income, so we'd, we'd rise 17, raise 17 billion. And in that way, we could fund inflation proofing of our public sector workers and beyond. That's the sort of arguments we need to put. This is about not just about making sure that we protect our uh, wages and protect our public services, it's also about establishing a fair economic system. And that's what we're fighting for. Final, final point. Actually, in Parliament, we've got unanimity on all the opposition parties now to oppose this minimum service legislation, which is brilliant. I also I am pleased, actually, we've won the argument in the Labour Party, not just to oppose this legislation, but the commitment to scrap it within the 100 days of the election of a Labour government. We've got to make sure that the Labour Party upholds that and we get rid of this and all anti-Trade Union legislation from our from our country and the way in which it's been used to a, a suppress working people. We'll do it. Absolute solidarity. Keep mobilising. We're winning and we're winning as a result of the determination and solidarity shown by working people today. Solidarity.
1: Thank you so much, John, and thank you for those wonderful messages. Our next speaker is from NHS workers. Say No, Holly Turner.
11: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And like, on what a day, what an amazing day. And um, I do want to start by expressing full solidarity from NHS Workers Say No to all the workers that are in dispute and every single person who took or was out on the streets supporting action today and continue to do so. We absolutely stand with you. Um, as I was introduced, my name's Holly. Um, I'm representing um, a campaign group called NHS Workers Say No, and I'm an NHS nurse myself. I currently work in child and adolescent mental health services, and I have done since about 2012. And I work with children with complex needs from the age of five. Um, across our services currently, waiting times are reaching up to about 24 months. Um, this is I think everyone would agree it's a disgrace, it's unsafe, um, and it's catastrophic, really, for young children um, and their families who are in crisis. Now, prior to working there, I worked in the London Borough of Hounslow with adults with learning disabilities, and I mention this, really, um, because I was essentially... I would say, working in this job in the eye of the storm when the Tory welfare reforms were introduced. And I'd say this was really my first experience of being a clinical practitioner and watching... Tory um, cuts and reform having an impact on people's health outcomes. We saw day centres being closed, social care was decimated, vulnerable adults with severe disabilities became increasingly isolated and physical and emotional health was really suffering. Um, And I remember particularly absolute horror visiting one man at home. He had no contact with anyone for weeks and he was laying in bed wearing multiple layers His power had been cut off because his benefits had been sanctioned. And he was trying to heat his home with one ring of a camping stove. Um, And, you know, this was well over a decade ago. And I mentioned this story as at the time I felt so just horrified at this degradation of vulnerable people. But this really is completely common now in community practice for anyone across the health and social care sector working in the community. And um, for us, we carry food vouchers on every visit. This is routine. It's routine to document severe mould in children's homes. You know, no lessons are being learned. In fact, this assault on the most vulnerable is becoming worse. Levels of health inequality linked to deprivation have increased and continue to increase and services just continue be slashed or tendered out to private providers. So when you take all this into account, I think it's no wonder that we're seeing increasing numbers of NHS workers mobilising and demanding that the unfolding crisis is addressed. Now, next Monday, the 6th of February, we've got the biggest NHS strike in history. We've got ambulance and nursing staff from gmb unite and rcn taking action and we've got more dates coming up in february and march so please support us in the pickets if you can support's been overwhelming so far now the dispute is rumbling on um and rather than engage with us and negotiate the government choose to demonize us tell lies about who's to blame for excess deaths tell lies about the life and limb cover which is in place on strike days but you know it's over a decade of this government's disastrous handling of health and social care which have led us to this point and now the government just appear to be ignoring the seriousness of the situation we've we've seen recent reports evidencing there are now 500 excess deaths a day across the health service which is horrific and this could be any one of us and our families And this is why everyone we're asking everyone to take to the streets on the 11th of March, Saturday, the 11th of March, for a national NHS demonstration in central London, because our fight is your fight. Now, today like everyone said, what we've seen is an incredible show of strength across the movement. And I think the Tories are backed up against the wall, but we do need to continue to escalate. We, we must be prepared for a snap election. And that means an opposition that fully backs workers' rights and supports the strikes, which are currently really the only form of leverage we have left against what I would call this absolute excuse of a government. Now, What other people have touched on as well is we're now seeing these attempts to attack our rights to strike, which is yet another attack on the movement, on the working class, and attempting to stop us being organised, which really shows how weak the Tories are, I think. Now, the government's new legislation will add further restrictions on the right to strike across all sectors, and the Minimal Service Levels Bill just highlights this government's lack of response and failure to meet the needs of working people. Striking is our right. Strikes across essential services, they already have plans in place. In hospitals, there are plans in place for emergency cover, which is negotiated and agreed with employers. But under new proposals, even if we vote for industrial action, we could be forced to cross picket lines or be sacked. Now, what we're saying is that minimum staffing levels are not even being met across the health service on non-strike days. And what our government should be doing is focusing on fixing that problem, which they have caused, rather than attempting to restrict our rights. If this legislation goes through, we need to, as a movement, be ready to respond and fast. And what we would want to see is this response in the form of a general strike, which is going to force this government out altogether. Now, finally, this unapologetic corruption from this government, it clearly sees no bounds. The increase in privatisation of essential services really means they're stealing taxpayers' money to pass to their mates. Their failure to properly tax the rich has left us working people paying for essential services while the wealthiest continue to make money from our suffering. We refuse to accept this anymore. It's unsustainable and it must end. Now, the fight back has begun and We know this really is the fight of our lives and the fight of our generation, and we can't slow down or let this government see any weakness across the movement. We need to use every opportunity to organise, engage with our communities, local groups, national movements leading the fight back. As John touched on, join a trade union and don't just join, become active and just keep, keep building and continue to support Arise, who hold important events such as this, bringing so many people together. So finally, just please join our pickets starting Monday, the 6th of February. We're also out on Tuesday, the 7th. Join the national demo on the 11th of March, if you can, and just keep going because together we can win. Solidarity.
1: Thanks so much, Holly. Our next speaker is an MP who needs very little introduction. Please welcome Diane Abbott.
12: Well, it's been a tremendous day. I don't think I've seen so many workers in dispute out challenging the government before. It's been a tremendous day, both for the solidarity and the numbers and the focus on fighting this government. Now, I should say from the beginning, I'm not even sure that I should be talking to you this evening because... uh, Here, Starmer doesn't want MPs on the picket line, so I assume he doesn't want MPs at meetings supporting workers in struggle. But anyway, I am here to speak to you. It's a titanic struggle, probably the biggest struggle of our lifetimes in terms of the government versus workers. On one side, we've had three successive prime ministers who are the most right wing of the modern era. You have to go back to Thatcher or even War Criminals of World War I to find more right wing politicians. And they are determined to break these strikes, curb unions and perform a radical and reactionary transformation of society. And when they say this is about people wanting their wages put up, we need to say no. It's about people trying to cope with the fact that month after month, the value of their wages goes down. It's not about putting salaries up. It's about trying to keep them level to what they have been. I'd also say this. The the media likes to talk about these strikes as if they're just about wages. but Of course, people are striking in terms of wages and conditions because there are some sectors where if management had their way, they would replace permanently employed staff with people on zero hours contract. They want to undermine and destabilise working conditions for workers They're about wages and conditions, there's about people's access to a pension, and above all, really, it's about the government being prepared to invest in the public sector. So salaries are important, but people are striking for other reasons too. So we have the government on one side, and on the other side, we have organised workers and their allies. Until recently, those workers were called essential workers, but of course, Most workers are essential workers, employers don't pay people for the fun of
1: it. I think we might have lost Diane there, but hopefully she'll be back on again soon. In the meantime, and hopefully we'll have Diane join us again soon. We just want to say to those of you who are still joining, the thousands who are already tuned in, this event is being hosted by Arise, which is a festival of left ideas, supported by a range of campaigns that have been resisting the Tories. Our key message from today is very clearly that this is the fight of our lifetime and that people are in march against Tory attacks on health, rights and livelihoods in communities and workplaces all across the country. We stand with you and Arise here to offer you platforms to keep taking the fight to, to the Tories. And we'll be there on the picket lines with you as we were today. So please give us your support and please keep fighting. I think we have Diane back on. All I was going
12: to say is that you talk about essential workers, but we're now finding that all these workers are essential. And when the government talks about, you know, teachers and what's happening to children and the NHS workers and what that's doing to the service, it's the people on strike who are fighting to maintain the quality of our public services. So we really are in a fight for better pay, decent conditions. And by taking industrial action, workers really are fighting for a better future for education, for the NHS, for our railways. They're fighting for the future prosperity of all our children and young people. So I'm glad to support the people striking. I think it's really positive that the public, despite all the propaganda in the media, is in support of all the people striking. We will continue to campaign inside the Labour Party, both to campaign against the anti-union legislation, but also a real commitment to abolishing that legislation when we get into power. You know, a Labour Party which will not stand by ordinary workers, it's some—it's um, difficult to say how wrong that is. The Labour Party was set up to support workers in struggle and certainly that's what I hope is going to happen in the coming days and weeks. So congratulations to all the people that were out today and solidarity.
1: Thank you so much Diane, inspiring and incredible as always. Our final speaker is also a Labour MP who has been a stalwart in supporting striking workers and has been a great friend to Arise and Young Labour. Please welcome Richard Bergen.
6: Thank you so much Nabila and it's great to be uh, with everyone tonight and what a vibrant meeting and what a vibrant demonstration today. I went straight from Prime Minister's question time, where Rishi Sunak was talking uh, rubbish as usual, and went out to the uh, NEU demonstration. Tens of thousands of people there. It was vibrant. It was energetic. It was passionate. It really showed people's determination to fight back. And as well, the picket lines uh, for the PCS that myself and other colleagues visited this morning, the atmosphere was very similar. People have been forced into this strike action, but they're totally determined to do what's necessary to win their disputes and help to fight back against what is the biggest attack on living standards in living memory. And I'm pleased that Arise have organised this online meeting tonight as part of connecting people from different parts of this mass movement against the attack on living standards and against, of course, this attack on the hard-won right to strike. And of course, the Tories anti-strike bill was rammed through the House of Commons this week, in just a few hours. It's hard to state just how bad it is. Workers who democratically voted for strike action will be forced to go into work, and trade unions will be forced to play a role in forcing them into work. And if the trade unions don't do that, they can face legal action and heavy fines. Make no mistake – that requirement fundamentally alters the role of trade unions in our society, it fundamentally alters the role of trade unions in our democracy. It's a fundamental attack on one of our core democratic rights. But it's no one off. It's part of a deeper disturbing authoritarian drift by a Tory government, desperate, desperate to close off any challenges to its reactionary agenda. The attack on the right to strike follows the restrictions on the right to protest. And it follows attempts to prevent people from voting. I'm talking, of course, about that cynical, appalling voter suppression strategy that is the imposition of voter ID. It's a voter suppression strategy straight out the right-wing Republican playbook in the USA. It targets working class communities and it targets in particular ethnic minority working-class communities. But the anti-strike bill is, of course, the Tories' response to the wave of strikes. But it's a sign of weakness. The Tories are losing the argument with workers and are losing the argument about workers, as today's strikes show and the public support show. They're losing the argument with the wider public. So instead of addressing the underlying issues of low pay, of a race to the bottom on terms and conditions. The Tories are doubling down on this broken economy, curtailing the ability of people to fight back. And one sign that the government is losing the argument is it had to lie to the public, had to lie to the public in order to make its case for its anti-strikes bill. The Prime Minister and the Business Secretary have repeatedly claimed that this legislation is somehow about bringing the UK into line with Europe over so-called minimum service levels. And they've even claimed that the ILO, the International Labour Organization, supports such measures. That's absolute garbage. The ILO Director General has said he's, and I quote, very worried, very worried about new laws that could see workers in Britain being sacked if they take industrial action. And the General Secretary of the European Trade Union Confederation has warned that the UK government's plans would, and again I quote, push it even further away from normal democratic practice across Europe. The reality is that the UK already has among the most draconian restrictions on the right to strike in Europe. And the truth is that every time we get a Conservative government from 1979 to 1997 and from 2010 onwards, they've introduced a series of restrictions on workers' rights. These attacks on trade unions and workers' rights are about preventing workers from getting their fair share of the wealth that they create. With the weakening of the unions that's happened for 40 years in the era of neoliberalism, the share of the economy going to workers in wages has plummeted from 60% to less than half today. What does that mean in practice, it means hundreds of billions of pounds each year that would once have been going to workers, now doesn't. It's a form of daylight robbery. And this situation is going from bad to worse. We're now in the longest squeeze on wages in 200 years. Workers' real wages not expected to return to their 2008 level until 2027. So that's two lost decades to workers' whilst at the same time profits soar. These strikes are a response to that. These strikes are about reversing that. And that's why this wave of strikes is decisive, not just for the workers involved, but for our whole class, for our class as a whole, for wider society. And whatever Tory ministers say, pay rises are affordable. Research from Unite the Union found that profits The UK's biggest 350 companies were 73% higher in 2021 than before the pandemic. Let's be clear, these soaring corporate profits could fund pay rises, and the 12 billion needed for a public sector pay rise in line with inflation could easily be found. For example, equalising capital gains tax rates, the kind of tax you pay when selling a second home, with income tax rates would raise 17 billion pounds. A year or a wealth tax of 1.5% only on wealth over £5 million would raise £16 billion. That could easily fund it. But this government, of course, won't listen to arguments alone. This government, of course, will only budge if we are active, if we are organised. The kind of action we've seen today by half a million workers is what will make this government shift its position. So let's do everything that we can to ensure a victory for the strikes. That's key to building a fairer economy and a more equal society. And let's do everything that we can to ensure a victory against this reactionary anti-strikes bill and strike a blow against the Tory attempts to restrict our basic democratic freedoms. Today has been a fantastic day of solidarity, determination, spirit, togetherness, and the unity of the working class in all its diversity. Let's support that, let's build upon it, and let's see these disputes victorious, and let's see the Tories out of power, and let's build a better society. Thanks very much and well done to Arise for all that you do today and always to bring people together to organise in solidarity for that better society. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much for joining us, Richard, and to everyone at home. Um, You've been an incredible organ, audience, and thank you for engaging with us in the chat as well. This has been such a great call with inspiring speakers from across our movement. So I think our key takeaways were support the striking workers, support the right to strike, and please, if you're able to, support platforms like Arise. I look forward to seeing you all
6: on the picket lines and getting out this Tory government solidarity.